child. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you. Should we give these guys a massive round of applause as well? Hasn't it been awesome? Don't get too comfortable, guys. I'm conscious of time, and so I really want to make this into a bit of a reflection more than anything else. But I'm super excited to be with you all. I feel like I've been away for ages, and um, there's no place like home. And how are you doing? Are you good? Because you're looking good. You're looking good. Look at the person next to you. Look how look how good they look this morning. Don't they look beautiful? Yeah. Give them a little whistle. A little squeeze. If you're sitting next to your spouse, make sure you look in the right direction. We're going to jump right in. We've been looking at Paul's story in the context of this year, looking at um, God's big story. And we're focusing in on the life of Paul and particularly his story that we find in the book of Philippians. If you weren't here last week, Nat and Joe both did an amazing job at just talking a bit about Paul's story and, and about how for Paul, he came to the point where everything about him, everything that he was going after, his longing, his desire was all Jesus. He made these immortal words um, when, he say, when he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, a lot of the time we think that uh, the, the real sacrifice is to die for Jesus, to die for what we believe in. That wasn't the case for Paul. For Paul, the real sacrifice was to carry on living because he was so desperate to be in the presence of Jesus. He, he, that's what he longed for more than anything else. And so he's writing this letter from a, from a dingy, dirty, horrible Roman prison and he's writing this to this community in Philippi. Now, Philippi was, was like a, a Roman colony um, for, the, for, for the retired. It was a little bit like Rustington. They were incredibly nationalistic, right? These were the people that would have voted to leave the European Union, okay? They were, they, they were very proud of who they were as Roman citizens. So when Paul came along, and when Paul said, that Caesar's not Lord, but Jesus is Lord, how many of you know that that message was subversive and that message was going to ruffle some feathers because the message of Jesus is always going to challenge the corrupt power that is in place. And so they didn't like Paul's message. So they threw him in a prison and there he is in the middle of the night with his buddy Silas. And I can just imagine the scene, you know, it's probably really cold and dark and and, and, and one of them just decides to, 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 to strike up a song. One of them just decides. Like you can just picture them there. And Paul's probably like, really? Are we really going to do this right now? Are you serious, Silas? We've just been beaten. We're in this prison. But sooner or later, but after a little bit of time, the song just keeps on growing and growing and they worship in the midst of their darkest moment and the chains fall off and the doors fling open and God does something absolutely incredible in that moment. And this is the community that Paul's writing to, but this time he is in a prison and that hasn't happened. I wonder if he was trying it every night. I think I would have been. I think every night I'd have been like bringing out another song just to see if that was going to be the night that another earthquake was going to hit. But up to this point, that hasn't happened. And so Paul's got a decision. Is he going to get, is he going to get depressed? Is he going to let that, is, it, is he going to let that limit him or is he going to allow that to inspire him to a deeper connection with Christ? And so we're going to jump in, in chapter two. And he begins with this word, therefore, so it's always good to understand what the therefore is therefore, and that therefore is there 
because he's just talked about the fact that even in the darkest moment, Christ is still everything. So that's, what, that's his, the context here. And then he goes on and he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common, um, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Interesting, he says selfish ambition because how many of you know ambition is not an evil thing? Ambition is actually something that God put within us. He has called you to greatness you guys don't believe that he has called you to greatness okay I'm going to shame you into a response because they were much louder than you he's called you to greatness yeah Lee believes it good one Lee come on God has got an amazing plan he's got an amazing purpose for us the problem is that so often we try and do it in our own strength so often we try and do it using our own means and we end up a little bit like you know Icarus in that in in that uh, Greek myth where he's where, where they've made these wings and they fly too close to the sun and the wings begin to melt and they and they fall down to their death because how many of you know our man-made attempts to fly our man-made attempts to soar and to try and do something great are never ever ever going to be enough God wants us to reach incredible heights, but he wants us to do it on his terms. So so those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow faint. But it's in his timing and it's in his way. So he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Isn't that challenging? Doesn't that challenge you to your core? Because believe me, our society is set up to focus on us getting me, mine, what I want, getting further in life. If you don't believe me, after this service, go home, switch on your TV and watch every TV commercial advert that comes up. They'll be telling you what you deserve, what you need to have, how much you're worth it. They will be telling you all of those things because this world isn't set up for us to prefer everybody else above ourselves. He goes on, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. Say obedient. Obedient. To death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him, say exalted, exalted, to the highest place. And he gave him the name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's like, a, that's like Paul giving us a drop the mic moment. Yeah. Don't worry, Mossy, I'm not going to do it. It's all right. But that's like this incredible portion of Scripture where, where Paul sums up in a nugget the gospel and the reality of, 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 the, of the process that God has for us. Now, Let's just pray real quick because I've got to get my thoughts together here. Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us, Lord. I pray that you would move me out of the way so that you can speak, Lord. We want to hear you. We don't want to leave this place with information. We want to leave this place with revelation. God, when we behold your glory, we're transformed. So God, can we, could you just come? Come and speak to us, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name. Amen.
So yesterday I was playing on the Xbox with, um, with Zion and we were playing FIFA 18 and I am appalling at FIFA 18. I'm absolutely terrible at this game and I could tell that Zion was getting frustrated with me. I'm trying my very, very best to score a goal and it's not working and he's just shooting him in left, right and centre. I'm working really, really hard and in the end um, I see Zion, like his goalkeeper's got the ball and he's kind of like running around like they, like, like they do if you've ever played FIFA and he runs around and he kicks the ball into his own goal the goalkeeper okay Zion does this and I was like Zion I don't want your charity goals and we carry on playing for a little bit I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get you Zion and he does it again about about 10 minutes later and again I'm like Zion seriously and he looks at me and he says dad I don't like crushing people I don't like crushing people And how many of you know humility comes when we are faced with something bigger than ourselves? When we're faced with something that is bigger than our ability, bigger than what we can actually do, that's where humility comes. But of course, we have a number of options when that happens. We can choose to allow that thing that is bigger than us to cripple us, to think, well, I'm never going to be able to be as good as that, so I might as well not do anything. I'm not going to try and advance. I'm not going to go forward. We can cause the thing that is bigger than us to make us run away from it and just think, I'm just going to run away because, because I, can't, I can't measure up to that. Or we can begin to try and do stuff in our own strength and think, well, I'm just going to have to fight and fight and fight because if I'm going to get anywhere, it's only going to be because I pull everybody else down and tread on top of them and advance myself. Or we can see that thing and we can allow it to inspire us to greatness. Now, this is the great paradox with humility because humility is actually all about positioning ourselves in a place where God can use us to do amazing things. Humility, false humility is killing the church. False humility is this idea, well, well, you know, I don't want to steal God's glory, which is absolute nonsense, right? God is not in heaven going, oh no, they stole my glory. I don't know how they did it. They must have picked my pocket when I wasn't watching or something. First of all, you're not big enough to steal God's glory. Secondly, you cannot steal something that he has already given to you. It says in, the, in, in John chapter 17, Jesus says, the glory that I had with the Father in the beginning, I give that to them. Every promise in heavenly places has been given to us so that we can partake in the God nature, Peter said. We're not supposed to be these little little worms that don't believe in ourselves, that think that we can't do anything. No, we're supposed to be inspired to reach new heights, to go to do great things, no matter where you are. In fact, can I preach to you all Monday today? If you are a teacher, you are called to be the very best teacher that you could ever be. If you are called to be an accountant, you are called to be an agent of the kingdom of God in that place that everybody around you would look at you and say there must be some unfair advantage that that person has there must be something special that they have that I don't have and I want it that's what God's calling is for each and every one of us that we would reach new and incredible heights way beyond anything that we could do in our own strength and that's the great paradox here so what are some of the ways that that God uses to humble us Just really quickly, I just want to speak very quickly about community, worship and the cross. Community humbles us. Community does something deep within us. Ernest Hemingway said this, there's nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility is being superior to your former self. We cannot live for ourselves because there are a thousand fibres that connect us with our fellow man. Now, community has this ability to either... either, 
inspire us or squash us, essentially, right? When we come into community, we suddenly find ourselves in a place where we are held accountable. Now that word, when I said that word, accountable, how many of you thought about the negative side of that word? Because we often talk about, oh, you know, that person, they're not accountable to anyone. They're a bit of a lone ranger. They just kind of do whatever they feel like doing, right? And we use that word often to, to, we say to people, you need an accountability partner. You need somebody that you can give an account to. And we often think that that accountability partner is the one that's just going to ask the hard questions. Like, you know, how is your your, um, spiritual disciplines at the moment? Are you watching any dodgy websites at the moment? All of that kind of thing. Which actually is much more about giving an account for our disability than our ability. It's much more about giving an account for our weakness than our strength. True community and the beauty of true community is when I am calling you to account. And when you are calling me to account, not just for my weakness, yes, that's important, but where we're calling each other to account for our greatness. When I'm coming up to you and I'm saying, God's put this treasure in you. I see this amazing thing that is in you. What are you doing about it? How can I help you? I just recently joined a a CrossFit gym. Uh, Now, I've been going to like conventional gyms for ages. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Joe, I know you you often try try and encourage us to believe in miracles, but this is a step too far. But I have. I've been going to conventional gyms for a long, long time, and it really hasn't made a lot of difference. And can I hear an amen? But... (laughs) I joined this CrossFit gym and the CrossFit, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a mixture of these different disciplines and uh, to bring you to like functional fitness. But you do all of the exercises in, uh, in team together and everybody is inspiring each other and everybody's saying, come on, you can do it. You can lift more than that. You can go further than that. You can go faster than that. And in that community, suddenly the treasure that is within you is called out and you realise there's more in me than I thought was in me. I didn't realise that I could do that. And they begin to call that out. You know, uh, Carolina and I and a couple of others, we went to a gig last night in Brighton, a guy called Stuart Larson, and he had a a Japanese guy with him called Natsuki, who um, was just the most incredible harmonica player you could ever, ever imagine. And uh, he said in the middle of the gig at one point, in his broken English, it was so beautiful, he said... um, he, he said about Stuart Larson, he, uh, he said about his playing, he said, I'm like the melody, but then when we come together, we are the harmony. And that's something that's beautiful that happens in community. God made us for interconnectedness. However much we think to ourselves, you know, wouldn't it be awesome to just, you know, not have anybody else around. I could just do whatever I want. I, you know, the kids, just they're, they're not have the remote control for one evening. You know, to actually be able to choose what we want to watch. And we think all of these different things. But the reality is we, we go mad after a couple of days without having anybody around us because we were created to connect with each other. Where you are strong, I'm weak. Where I'm weak, you're strong. Together, we can become a harmony. But even more than that, when we do that together in a community like this, the church, the body of Jesus Christ, we don't just become a harmony. We become a symphony. We become a a, a sound and a song that reverberates and that changes the very atmosphere. And that's what happens when we come into community. And when our community is a community of honouring one another, of loving one another, there's no room for pride. I don't have to try and push myself forward. You don't have to try and push yourself forward when everybody else is lifting you up. That's the kind of community that I think Jesus longed for. I think that's the one that he dreamed of. And I think that's the kind of community that we want Aaron to be. Worship humbles us. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, 
As long as you're proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. With worship, it's so easy to completely miss the point. Worship is not about you. It's not about me. Worship is not about my tastes and my preferences. It is not about whether or not I like the music louder or whether I want the music quieter, whether I like this particular song, that particular song, this particular worship leader, that particular worship leader, this type of liturgy or that type of liturgy. Worship is not about us. Worship is about Jesus. Amen? Worship is about Him. And when I begin to get my focus on those wrong things, I am in trouble. I'm in trouble. If my focus, yes, it's so important that what we do, we do with excellence. But if my focus is on whether or not somebody in the band plays a bum note or whether or not there's a particular talk that that hasn't been so inspiring for me, I'm going to get into trouble very quickly. And all of these things, in fact, can have the exact opposite effect of what God wants to do with them when we look at them in the wrong way. And worship has become so much, we, we do ourselves a bit of a disservice sometimes when we talk about worship just in the sense of music, because the Bible never uses the word worship to talk about music. I mean, it talks about praise and the act of worship is connected with our singing and things like that. But worship is so much bigger than that. In fact, the main word, the Hebrew word that is used is the word berek. And it means to be, it means to be prostrate. It means to be completely laid out before God. It means to be in that place where he is so much more than anything else that we would lay everything down for him. We we would just empty ourselves of absolutely everything because he's what we want more than anything else. That's what real worship is. Real worship is when we put him in front of our pursuit of wealth and happiness. It's when we put him in front of our other priorities and our other goals. It's when, it's when God is our all, when he is our absolute everything, when we can echo the words of Paul and say, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's worship. It's not about being famous. It's not, about, it's not about being well known. I love this thing. Uh, Winston Churchill was asked once, he was asked, doesn't it thrill you uh, that every time you make a speech, the hall is absolutely packed to overflowing? And Churchill responded, he goes, yeah, I suppose, it, I suppose it is quite flattering. But then I remind myself that if instead of giving a speech today, I was going to be hung, the crowd would be twice as big. And the reality is, is that, you know, crowds and, and acclaim will come and go. If we live by the praises of men, then we'll die by their criticisms as well. That's not what we are called to live for. That's not, that's, and you know, I often think about when Jesus came into Jerusalem on the donkey. If that had been a Disney movie, if there was a Disney movie made of that, they'd probably have like shown the donkey going back to the stable in the evening. And the donkey would have been like... They shouted hallelujah for me. They laid down cloaks on the floor. They waved palm branches for me. They were singing songs to me. The reality is they weren't singing those songs that donkey. They were singing the songs for the one who was riding that donkey. We always need to remember that no matter what is going on, that that is our focus. So worship humbles us when we see him when our eyes are fixed on him Isaiah has this encounter with the with the with the glorified Lord and before his throne he's first of all he's 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 undone by it he's broken by it but then his first response when God says who am I going to send his first response isn't well not me because I'm just I'm just a nobody I'm just useless I can't do anything his first response is send me send me God I want to go I want to go for you because greatness inspires us to greater greatness and then finally the cross the cross humbles us 
The cross and the scriptures humble us. In 1956, Billy Graham talked about wandering out into the woods outside of his home and with tears streaming down his face, holding up the Bible before God and saying, God, I do not understand this. I don't understand everything that it says. There are parts of this that I don't even feel like I can, I can agree with. But I choose to put your word above my experience. I choose to put what you say above my opinion. I choose to put you higher than those things. Because we have two choices, guys. We can either lower the Word of God to the level of our experience or we can raise our experience to the level of God's Word. I'm going to choose the latter. I don't know about you. I'm going to choose to raise my experience until it lines up. When I read the Bible, I don't read the Bible for knowledge. I don't read the, I read the Bible to say, God, I do not look like this. I do not look like you, Jesus, but I want to. I want this to change me from the inside out. The Gospel humbles us. The cross humbles us and changes us. I'm just going to finish really quickly with this, this story. When I, um, Caroline and I were, were saving to get married, we were working in the body shop and I was working on one of the lines there and um, there was a guy, I'll call him Tom because that was his name, and um, he was this big dude with like tattoos and biker background and he lived for the weekend and he, you know, he, he just blow all of the money that he'd made during the week on his weekend out and we, you know, I was travelling a bit and we'd just seen some, God do some incredible things in our lives and in Colombia and so every, every opportunity I had I'd share these stories with him I'd say about oh this person was healed it was incredible there was this moment and God rescued us out of the, out of the, uh, the, this, the gangs in the slums and I'd tell him all of these stories and he'd always be like wow that's really interesting and he was really respectful don't get me wrong he was great and um and then one day I've really heard God say to me, Joe, you just, you've forgotten just to share the simplicity of the gospel with him. And so I just shared with him that Jesus loved him, that he died and he rose again for all of the junk and just began to share a very, very simple gospel message with him. And I kid you not, Tom just began to break down. Tears just began to stream down his face as the power of that message just pierced his heart. I never saw him again. After that day, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he went. But I know that the gospel broke him. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation. Sometimes we just need to come back to that place of simplicity. It's not about having loads of great ideas. It's just all about Jesus. So guys, this is that. This is just, you know, like the Sunday school message when they say, what's the answer? And the kid says, is it Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, it's Jesus. He is everything. He is all we need. He is all we could ever want. He is the, the, the scriptures say, he is the desire of nations. So if you want some of him, let's stand to our feet. The scripture's called like the kenosis passage because it talks about Jesus emptying himself. We talked about the other, the other week on Vision Day about God filling empty spaces. I believe the Spirit of God is here to fill empty spaces, but sometimes we have to allow that emptying to happen first. And on that week, I, I had like what I felt was like an open vision and um, felt like God just kind of took away the blinkers from my eyes. And I saw everybody in here and it was like they were standing holding a candle and that candle had like one of those paper rims around it, you know, to kind of catch the wax on it, health and safety and all that. And... Um, People were just kind of like singing their song gently. And as we did, it was like these windows up here suddenly blew out. 
They suddenly smashed and shattered to pieces. And as they did, wild and reckless, raging wind just came in to the room and began to swirl and circle around absolutely everywhere. And it caught all of the flames that people were holding in their hands and began to burst into light all around the place. And we just looked up in awe and wonder as we saw flames dancing around and angels like dancing in the flames. And at the risk of saying, I believe that we are on the verge of something, because how many of you know we're not waiting for a move of God? We are the move of God. You and I, we are it. We've come to the mountain of the living God. We're not waiting for something else. We have it in our hands. And yet I believe that God is about to blow out the windows. I believe that God is about to come like a raging fire in this place. And we're going to be in awe and wonder. And we're going to know full well that it's not because of our clever ideas. It's not because of anything that we could do. It's completely because of him. So if you want that, let's lift our hands up to heaven. Lord God, we are here today because we long for you. We are here today, Lord, because we are hungry and we are thirsty for the living God. So we ask you right now, as we worship you, as we connect with these words on a screen and with these melodies, as we worship you in community and create a symphony, Lord God, would you come? Would you come and would you move in this place, Lord? Would you change us and transform us? We lay it down. May our worship truly be, Berek, may it truly be as laid down, lovers before you, Lord God. And as we do that, you will exalt us to the place that you've called us to. We love you. We worship you. Let's sing.